Hi guys, and welcome back to Sound Scientific with Bonnie and Avril. This episode is going to be a little bit different than originally planned, because we had planned to do a rat lingerie paper, and then we read the paper and it was too complicated. We didn't think we could do it communicate justice. it. Yeah, we couldn't communicate it effectively, and... Our weeks are a bit of a shit show next week, so we had to record today. So we are going to be talking about my master's research, because I know that off the top of my head, and it's about time you knew anyway. This is a journey into science. What is it all about? As per usual, how are your weeks, Bonnie? My weeks were a mixed bag of emotion. <laughs> so, good stuff first. I um, I really enjoyed the flood a couple of weeks ago. Well, because I just wanted to do absolutely nothing that weekend. And I usually have sun, what do you call it? Sun guilt. Where sun you f- guilt, yeah. Yep. you feel pressure to go outside even if you're exhausted because the sun's out. And it's yep. just stupid because you end up de- depleted and don't want to do Stuff outside, but you force yourself. So it was pissing down, and um, it was just the perfect excuse to wear soft clothes all day and eat soup and drink wine and have chocolate. It was so great. So soothing. So I love that. And then Stewie also had a photo shoot in the city, (laughs) which was so cute. He was the best boy and he's never been to the city before. And oh, had he not? He's never been to the city. Oh, well, I didn't realize and, that. And, yeah, he was walking around and he was staying where I asked him to sit and then I would, like, go away from his side to get out of the shot and he would just stay there looking slightly concerned. I know. Concerned. He looks, in the pictures, he looks like he's <laughs> Slightly thinking. concerned. But, um, yeah, there was, like, strangers walking past him and he was oh. just the best behaved boy and that was really cute. And then... Uh, also, in the last fortnight, I've had two existential crises, which is fun. Um, so basically around the fact that my PhD is ending soon, or I'm halfway through. It's like a three-year degree, and I'm a year and a half in. And I'm just freaking out about my progress and what to do after. So all that existential dread is just... It's kind of good for my stress levels because I haven't been procrastinating. Yes. I've just been full productivity. I'm like, it's crunch time, just have to go. Force motivation. Force motivation. Um, So good for productivity, but really bad for sleeping. Bad for the soul. I have been waking up every morning without fail at 3 a.m. wide awake until 6, like because Daniel gets up at 6, and I am just wide awake until then, and by 6 a.m. I start to get tired. But then by that time, I'm so exhausted that I fall asleep, and then I go on to sleep paralysis because I'm so exhausted. A vicious cycle. A vicious cycle, but yeah. How fun is academia? How fun is academia? But overall, right. overall fine. Um, just some, a just, lot of... Ex- just going through the motions. Just going through the motions. Love that. But yeah. we talked it out. Better place now. Yeah. Yep. Just going. Temporary stress period yep. with house hunting. Absolutely. And I'm actually fine. But yeah, what about you? Um, well, the very heavy rain was slightly traumatic on my soul. <laughs> Um, because we lived in the areas where there was rivers full of water that don't usually have water. And so, oh, and Rocket is once again in the studio today. Cute. Hi, Rocket. Little shake. Um, and then also it brings a lot of stress into my life because of the dogs not wanting to go out in the rain. And so they're just cooped up inside for like four days. And then Lilu looks at me the whole time like I'm going to make her go outside. And so she just spends... (laughs) 
the entire time feeling sad. No Aww. matter how much you snuggle her, wrap her in blankies, she still thinks that she's going to get chucked out in the rain and left for dead. And I just can't communicate that with her, which is heartbreaking. Um, but then she had her first day as a therapy dog oh, yes. at the rest home and it went so well it was such a nice experience for the both of us and she had a few really nice moments the one the best moment was she um met a one of the um residents um that is blind and so she had this really nice interaction with her of her feeling her ears and her oh. nose and we annoy our dogs so much and so they're like they're used to the used invasion. To all, yeah, yeah, they're used to the invasion. So it was like all these years of harassing our dogs really paid off in that moment. Paid off for that nice blind lady. Exactly. Um, and then the sun came out, took some dogs on some walks, and yeah, that's. I think that's it. Oh, I went You're horse, horse riding. Rider. I, I went horse. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, what did I do? Um, got back in the saddle, and it was. Turns out, it's not like riding a bike. Oh, because yep. it's hard. It's, it's, yeah, and your body is just like, what am I doing? with? What are my limbs mm. doing the whole time? Because there's so many things to remember. And so, yeah, but it was really fun. And I was spoiled with um, the horse I was riding. Her name was Millie, and she is a chestnut, so it was two gingers together. So what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, so it was, it was a very nice. Iconic weekend. Iconic weekend, yes. And, yeah, so that was my week's. So we're going to be talking about my project today, which is obviously jumping spiders. And a common misconception is that people think I just love spiders and I was dying to do a project on them. And it's not the case at all. It's more that we want to understand behavior and they're a good model for that. Yes. So just so that's clear. I'm not obsessed with spiders. Yes. Yeah. And so, and we both have this people were like, oh, you study spiders. Here's a picture of a random spider I saw in my garden. What is it? No idea. Not a taxonomist. Don't care about your shitty garden spider. (laughs) We care in some ways, but not in others. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, um, just to explain that a little bit more. So, um, Jumping spiders are a really good model to investigate behavior because in order to understand behavior, you want to start with something simple. And so jumping spiders have a really small nervous system about the size of a poppy seed. How cute. Um, But yet they're capable of really complex behavior. And so they're active predators. And so they need to be really onto it to capture prey. And so they can do things like stalking, detouring, ambushing. And um, they're found in every habitat except Antarctica. So deserts, beaches, mountains. So in biology terms, this just means that they're really successful. And they are affectionately considered the cats of the invertebrate world. And it's so true when you see them in the lab and they hold their little flies and they walk around. Or when you walk through the door, they all turn and look at you. Mm. It's We love having them. Yeah, they are great. They are great. They make great lab companions. Companions. <laughs> Cool. So, yeah, I guess that's why we study them. They're just a good, simple model for cognition, which is what we're interested in, along with being cheap, easy, convenient, and... And we also just really love our supervisor. Yeah. (laughs) And so... That's how we got into spiders. Yes. We picked our supervisor, and then jumping spiders picked us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Bonnie, do you want to give us just like a bit of background on what you were doing in your master's and just kind of what area this falls into? Yes. So I basically just got handed this project where um, a woman before me had found that jumping spiders 
in very basic terms, they stop responding to visual stimuli over time. And my question to ask was whether this was a case of habituation, which is really, really simple learning. Same as like, if you live near an airport and you constantly hear planes when you first move in, by the time you're living there for a while, you eventually not hear the airplanes because you habituate to the stimulus. It's like a really simple form of learning. So it's either A, habituation, a really simple process, or it's that um, it was due to something involving cognition and a more like decision-making sort of process. And so I came in to ask, um, yeah, was it a simple process or a complicated process, essentially? Essentially. So when I met you and was told about you and told about your thesis and the work that you have done and they told me about this section of your thesis I was just in awe this is so cool one of the coolest things probably to come out of Don't a master's overhype it. it cannot be overhyped <laughs> yeah. it is it's so cool it really is and so you were giving caffeine to spiders I was uh, you were we, yeah we wanted to use cocaine just because <laughs> It would have been cool. And yep. then the psychology department said, why would you use co- cocaine when you can use caffeine, which does essentially the exact same thing? Yep. So the reason we ended up with caffeine is because it's a central nervous system stimulant. We wanted to test, we wanted to kind of manipulate behavior with something that was a central nervous stimulant to kind of just give us a tell on whether it's centrally regulated or not. So if this behavior was controlled by the central nervous system, you would expect a central nervous system stimulant to change the behavior and if it isn't under central nervous system control then a central nervous system stimulant wouldn't affect the behavior at all right so if it wasn't being processed by the central nervous system it wouldn't have any effect on behavior yeah so what were you actually testing and more importantly how did you do it okay (laughs) so nitty-gritty basically the best way to understand how i test them you have to understand their visual system And it all makes sense. So jumping spiders, they have a division of labor type visual system where they've got uh, four pairs of eyes around their head and they can essentially see a 360 degree field of view at all times. So the eyes around the very back of their head, their secondary eyes, they basically are just motion detectors. Something's there, something's not. Uh, The forward facing, they've got these two forward facing smaller pairs of eyes, which are like they have an okay field of view and an okay resolution. And then they've got these big eyes right at the front, which can see really, really clearly, but they've got a tiny, tiny field of view. So all of this basically means that when something shows up next to the spider in their periphery, they turn to face it to inspect it with their better pair of eyes and that's the exact same way that when we see something in our periphery we turn our heads to face it and see what's going on um the spiders do the same thing it's just they don't have necks so they have to do a whole body swivel imagine if they had necks it'd be yeah i imagine <laughs> they'd be really long like those turtles that have the really long necks <laughs> um so yeah basically so that's the behavior that we're looking for is that they're looking at something in their periphery. So we exploit their visual system and that whole body swivel behavior in our methods. And basically we tether them to this apparatus. So they're sitting in front of two computer monitors holding onto a little wee ball. And we put moving visual stimuli, like a fly or a dot or something, on the computer screen. And the way that they're tethered is that their head is fixed Um, but their legs can still move. And so when something goes across the screen, they attempt to turn towards the stimulus, but they can't actually move because their head is 
yep. fixed. So you guys can all go and find a chair on wheels, a little <laughs> rolly chair, and then imagine yourself trying to face one way. And, and so, and then it makes this really clear response to the stimulus because they have to do these whole body orientations yep. in an attempt to try to bring it into the field of view. Yeah. Because they don't have a neck. Yeah. So you're basically looking for them to swivel on their wee ball. And essentially what we see is that at the start of the experiment, they respond. And then as trials or time goes on, they stop responding. And then we score it for different behaviours. So there is like a really fast response. There's a kind of fast response. And then there's just general movement like walking on the ball or grooming to make sure that they're not just freezing because they're freaked out or um, they're tired or whatever. And then we just record like no movement whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. And so we don't assume that they're going to get really tired because they're can hold on to these little styrofoam balls for a really long time. Mm. They've been doing it for hours and they're actually not moving using any muscles, correct? Yeah, just it's using... like they've just got these teeny tiny little hooks on their legs. So it's essentially like they're just not stuck to the ball, but it's not like they're using muscle to like hold the ball up yeah, the whole time. Yeah, so it's time. not a taxing state for them. State, yeah. yeah. Cool. And so then, so what did your test actually look like? So... What were the conditions? What was the kind of setup to where you were seeing if caffeine affected their response? So we did a paired experiment, which means that the same spiders are exposed to the same conditions. And so they each spider had two tests. One test was when they were given a droplet of water. And then the other test was when they were given a droplet of water, but it had caffeine dissolved into it. So we're basically seeing control, water or caffeine and how it affected their responses to uh, this dot moving across the screen over time. And so it's a really good way if they are experiencing both conditions, that way you can make direct comparisons for the spider experiencing yeah. both conditions. Because you know it's not just, if you use two separate groups of spiders, then you could just it put it down. Be. It might just be that they were different spiders, but it's the same spiders. The yeah. only difference between the two tests was the fact that there was caffeine present or not. Yeah. So yeah. I know everyone's wondering, did you have like a little tiny coffee machine and you'd make them lattes and then set them at a wee table and then <laughs> a sweet ceremony <laughs> no ceremony, like how do you how do you ha- make spiders drink caffeine so i essentially waterboarded them um <laughs> there was yeah there was a lot of ways to try figure out how to get caffeine into their system and I, the best way was that we've got this little device called the gunkatron which we use to lightly restrain them so we can tether them to the apparatus and it's essentially like a tube with foam on the top and then it's got a, another tube that caps over on top of it. So you've got foam, little spider, and then a lid on it with tiny holes and the spider's yep. head pokes out. So it just holds them flat and still. Holds them flat and still yep. with their head coming out of the wee top. And that's how we usually get them attached to the apparatus. Yep, using some beeswax. Yeah. So I use that same um, contraption, but I flipped them upside down. So it was their little mouth parts poking out of the top of the... Um, holes. I love that. And I had to, and then like, there was a lot of calculation that went into a certain amount of caffeine for the body weight of that spider. So I had yeah. to wa- individually weigh each spider and calculate it against how much caffeine would yeah. get, get them. Um, and then you just put a little drop on their mouth parts, and most of the time they would just voluntarily <laughs> drink it. <laughs> no choice. Well, if they didn't want to drink it, the drop would stay there, would stay there. for about half an hour. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Wow, so how long did it take them to, like, drink it? 
20 minutes. Wow. It was surprisingly so easy. Wow. And um, we didn't even know if it would work because it's so up in the air. Yeah. Like, no one's drugged jumping spiders before. Yeah. So I don't know how much to actually give them. And the way we tested it was we just thought, let's just dose them. Yeah. And then we'll run the experiments and look at the data. And that's how we're going to find out if, if, we've, it's, doing if it's worked. Yeah. yeah. And so why did you decide to drug spiders? Like, where did that even come from? It came from, so the main premise was that we wanted to see, it was the whole central nervous system stimulant sort of thing. But then the way we thought that it could work is because there were these web building studies in the 60s and it was this guy studying web building behavior. I love science in the 60s. It's so obscure. Uh, So basically this guy way back in the day is studying web building behavior, which is also a centrally regulated behavior. And he got really sick of waking up at 2 a.m. to watch them build their webs because they build them really in the early hours of the morning. And so he thought, maybe if I give them caffeine, they'll start building later. What an analytical brain. I know, like, oh, they'll stay up for longer. I don't know. And then he won't have to get up at 4 a.m. or 2 a.m. every morning. So he gave them some caffeine, and then what he found is they was building the webs at the exact same time, but they were all fucked up. It led to a plethora of studies of yeah. in pharmacology because they started doing it with like acid and MD and speed and marijuana to see how the different drugs would affect the um, web-building behaviour. And it's analogous to how the drugs affect humans. Yeah. So the LSD one was a really weird looking web and then speed is just super erratic. And then marijuana, the web looks really good and then three quarters of the way through they just gave up building. So which is interesting because they're so different to us. Like how can drugs have the same effect on a spider that's so different to humans? Yeah, it's just so cool. Yeah. Um, So that was the idea how we thought, okay, spiders can be drugged. And then from there, trying to work out how much to give them was hard because the paper, the only paper I could go off was this one set of studies. Um, And the instructions back in the 60s are like, we gave them a large or smallish drop of caffeine. (laughs) No, you have like a pipette with like a drop. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we had to work out, okay, what's an amount of caffeine that would get a human sufficiently dosed with caffeine with a caffeine high and then how do we calculate that down to the size of a spider and we miscalculated it because we didn't take in this is what i found out years later we miscalculated it because we didn't take into the account the um metabolic differences between humans and spiders we just did amount versus body weight and scaled it down and we found out we ended up dosing them 60 (laughs) cups of coffee equivalent Like, no wonder. No wonder. No wonder there was an effect. But still. But it still had an effect. It still had an effect. And that leads into what you find. What did I find? Basically, so again, we've got the same spiders doing the exact same test. And what we found is that the when they were high on caffeine, they responded for a lot longer compared to when they just had the water droplet. Okay. Uh, so it's obviously some form of central regulation in there because it was affected by the central nervous stimulant, caffeine. And then another wee funny finding is that we have that, you know, the grooming, walking, sort of just general um, behaviour that we score for as well. And every single other test, it's just a flat line. Like, it's just constantly there the whole time at a really low level. But in the caffeine condition, it just literally goes up and up and up and up. (laughs) Such a good... 
takeaway of it too, just like a little bonus finding. Yeah, we so bonus finding. We bonus finding. It's, yeah. it's cool when you record these things in hindsight and it ends up being a really cool, important part about it. Yeah. Yeah, when you weren't actually searching for it. Weren't looking for that. Yes. It was fun. Um, you did this in 2017. Mm-hmm. So 2021 now. Yeah. We can do math. That's four years later. This is a math podcast. Um, it just became a math podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now, knowing what you know now, and because you've obviously started diving into your PhD. How has your perspective on this study changed? So our original thinking was that if the behaviour is centrally regulated, then it's not habituation. So it's kind it was like an either-or situation. So it's yeah. either really simple habituation or it's something more cognitive, like they're making a decision to not respond to the stimulus as opposed to it just not filtering in anymore. And so they were kind of two polarizing options. And then now, so it was basically, if we can show it's centrally regulated, then that rules out the fact that it's habituation, yep. was the thinking in this original, in this Which paper. Which is very black and white. Very black and white. Yep. And now I've been doing a literature review on decay of responses over time and all the different terminology that's used, essentially. And the more I read about habituation is I've found that there's papers that class habituation as centrally regulated and they've found evidence for this. Right. So it's almost, I'm like, did my caffeine experiment mean anything? Because <laughs> the whole premise was it's not habituation because yep. it's centrally regulated. Yep. And so now all these papers I'm reading are saying it's centrally habituation is centrally regulated but my personal thoughts is that the papers that are saying habituation is centrally regulated they're not talking about habituation it's another form of behavior okay people might be using habituation in a really general term around behaviors that aren't strictly habituation but then i still don't know i'm still trying to figure it out yeah because you've been going down that rabbit hole for a while now and it's just gotten so many more turns so many more layers Mm. of it so it's been what a journey it's been a journey and it's one of those things that the more you look into something the less you understand it yeah like i honestly felt like i knew way more about attention and habituation and stuff before yeah and i've done this literature review and now I'm like, I don't fucking understand what any of it means. <laughs> I don't even understand my own thesis. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, mm. you gave caffeine to spiders and yeah. it had an effect. They responded for longer. Yeah, it was a nice, clear effect in a. Dare we say it was an elegant <laughs> study? <laughs> I think we do. I'll take that. I'll take you that. You should take it. Yeah. It's an elegant study. Yeah, and next I would like to do the exact same thing, but with THC and CBD um, in the exact same sort of paired manner. And then you want to do cocaine. And I want to do cocaine. Well, you want... (laughs) You want to give the spiders cocaine. I would like to give the spiders cocaine. We just have to find enough... Reason. (laughs) Reason to be drugging spiders. But where there's a will, there's a way. And then I remember that you were at that um, that postgrad meeting, and everyone is sitting there we're talking about their thesis. And like, my thesis is going to help make waters clearer. Oh yeah. And you were like, um, I drug spiders and see what happens to their attention behaviors, and they're like, oh. And I was like, I could probably pitch it in a more important way, but I'm yep. just so. Oh, I don't. I hate overselling myself. I'm just yep. like, this is what it is. Here it is. That's enough. Take it as it is. Yeah. Either way, it was a cool, elegant paper. 
Thanks, guys, for listening. And we are on social media now. And we've been tweeting. Yeah. The Twitter is live and yeah. it's happening and it's doing things, so we kept our word. We kept our word. No one bothered us about it, but we bothered us about it. And if you want to see the evidence, that's at Sound Scientific for Twitter, just one S. One S. And then on Instagram, Sounds Scientific. Yes. Bye. This is a journey into science. Science. What is it all about?